go. Let's roll. Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this Sunday, the 17th of November. I am Keith Hopner smith He is Ty Delbridge. What up? And you are listening to the Potline Trailcasters. You can find us at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, you can send us those emails at trailcasters at gmail.com. And always find the pod on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere else you find podcasts. And if you cannot find us on there, let us know. We will get it done. Uh, and always, on any of them that apply, we are looking for what, Ty? Five stars. Yes, sir. And the music you are hearing right now, find those beats at Odar... Uh, Find those beats from Odar at soundcloud.com slash odarbeats. Please support your local artists. Today's guest, he has been a, what, I think, how many times? Like half a dozen times near on the on the Chillcast? Five, I think, is what we're at. He's signaling uh, on the cam. Uh, originally a Canadian and, uh, um, let's see, I guess the, the Toronto representative. He took me to the game the other night against the Raptors. Did not end so well, but man, did we have a good time. Mikey Weisenberg, how are you, sir? Welcome back. Doing very well, Keith. Thank you for having me on again. I guess this is my sixth time because I think is I was on six? five. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, it's good to be back. Well, all right, man. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that may be the, the leading count so far, but also the new generation, the next generation here with Ty and I. You know, maybe the count starts over, so so uh, let's get the next season going, I guess. Uh, quick shout-out to our hey. sponsors, Envy Adventures and Clearly Speaking. If you want to avoid stuttering, avoid voice fatigue when you're doing long podcasts that keep getting longer. We went from like an hour to an hour and a half more recently. This might be a two-hour episode if you guys are uh, going to be sticking around. But uh, <laughs> if, if you need any help with that, go and talk to our friend Brenda, Nuc- Brenda Nuckton, one of our old-school listeners over at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. Uh, clearly she can help you out with all the things that I am currently struggling with because, once again, I am hyped on a Sunday morning after a wonderful Saturday night. Uh, but if you are also hyped and need to relax or, or get out of town, get out for some good feels up above the, the cloudy the cloudy grayness that is the fall uh, in November in the Pacific, Pacific Northwest, go and see the beauties with Envy Adventures, enviadventures.com. Corey will take you up in planes or helicopters at this point for sometimes deals as low as 40, 50 bucks, usually maybe around 100, 100 and change. Get up there with you and a few friends, see the beautiful sights of the city around Portland, the gorge itself, go out to the, the dunes, uh, go see the Columbia River. Everything looks good from from that high up above. Uh, Mikey, eventually Ty and I are going to do a trip up in the in one of Envy's planes and we're going to have a, have a pod going on up there. You want to come be a guest <laughs> for that one? Make it seven. Oh, damn. That does sound pretty tight. <laughs> It'll be fun, man. I feel like I would be yelling like you think that I get like, you know, kind of like wound up and hyped for this on a Sunday morning here sitting in my living room. Imagine me up in a plane like just like, oh, my God, guys, are you ready? So how about them blazers? I feel like that'd be uh, probably the whole audio. <laughs> Most likely. It Most might get loud. The whole time. <laughs> it- <laughs> uh, so. We'll get to the game last night, the happy ending, I think, for the Blazers' week of, uh, of basketball. But let's go back. Uh, we had, what, four games this week? Mm. We had uh, Atlanta was here in town, then yep. Sac- Sacramento on the road, Toronto here in town. Shout out, Mikey. Thank hey! you for taking me out there. And then San Antonio last night. Let's yep. uh, just quick run through of any details uh, that you want to grab from these games. I think with Atlanta, first off, uh, Hood was out. He's having the back spasms kind of in and out. And this is going to be something... That I think is kind of critical for uh, the Blazers going forward. Like Hood is a, a he plays a big role for us, correct? When Huge he's role. in, it, it's it's he's definitely is kind of a it's a different team with Hood available. Do you think this is going to be uh, something ongoing? Let's say past December, or is this just kind of maybe some early season uh, kinks needing to be worked out? 
Mikey, how as far, are you feeling as far about, as the uh, back spasms? Yeah, like like I'm uh, not yeah. a doctor. What, what's your feel? I, I, I <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not asking you to doctor. I'm just saying like 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 how how worried are you about this? Just, how worried how, am I? How much? Yeah. Well, at this yeah. point, like you don't really know where the season's going, so I, I don't know whether to be wor- like would I like Rodney Hood in the starting lineup? Absolutely, but um, it seems like he's at least been the best form of wing offense for the Blazers thus far. And, yeah, uh, yeah it's just uh, you, you hope that he's healthy, but you, you don't really know where the season's going yet. You don't know if we're really kind of working for that playoff push or if the Blazers are kind of, you know, uh, maybe saying we want to hit the rebuild and maybe get a, a decent draft pick. So, yeah, it, it'll really depend on the season. So we've seen him back playing, though. Like we, we, we've, we've seen him back playing in the games, but, I mean, you're, you're kind of – I feel like I'm – this is kind of what I was trying to get to is that I'm in the same boat as you, I think, where I'd almost rather if he's having this problem, I'd want him held out. I want him here long term healthy. I'm not as worried about the games right now, especially if, like you said, the season's kind of on on the fence of falling apart. Uh, Ty, like, where do you? St- um, looks OK yesterday. Yeah, he yeah. looked yeah, fine. He's, he's, yeah. It just- well, what's uh, I mean, like what's kind of concerning is he's talked about how he's had this problem for a little while. Like he had it right. last year. He had it with Cleveland. So, I mean, this might be an ongoing thing he just deals with. So that is kind of concerning because at some point, like, he's never gotten fully healthy with this. Like, he's never seemed to get rid of it. Uh, but, yeah, like, when he's playing, he's effective. And so I think the Blazers really, they need him. But, yeah, I think I'm with you guys. Like, if this season starts going downhill and he's, like, struggling with his back, then just hold him out. There's no reason to force him to play. But if they're winning games and then still trying, then, yeah, like, you might have to start load managing Rodney Hood. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> our own Kawhi Leonard, our own Kawhi, uh, Hood on the wing. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That was sorry. I know that was the the tangent right off the bat for the first game already. But that was, I think, the big deal that kind of stuck out to me as far as the notes I took on that game is just how big of a deal is is. Well, they also back. lost that game at home, which they shouldn't have lost. So that yeah. was really ridiculous. Yeah, I, I've been trying to forget that part. Thanks, Ty. No, you're. <laughs> we played well though, man. Uh, I have in here we had four players with twenty points. Uh, Simon's was looking pretty good. Dame had like thirteen in the first half. So. Even these losses, as frustrating as it has been, I know the record, what, we're like 5-8 and eight now, I think, is where we're at after last night, after Spurs yeah. game. Yeah, uh, that's right. It's frustrating, but I, I'm not as down on this as I feel like most fans are because the team, even in the losses, is looking good. It's been close losses. We're not like totally out of games. Dame, obviously, has been carrying a bit more than we want to see him do over the season, but I don't know. It's, it, I'm, not, I'm not horribly horribly down on it so far. Uh, anything from the Sacramento game, or do you want to uh, talk more on, on Atlanta or... That was frustrating also. I mean, they lost with no, they had no De'Aaron Fox. They have right. no Marvin Bagley. You go down to Sacramento. I mean, like, I mean, like you lose a tough one to the Hawks at home. You should go down and handle that Kings team. And then they just, they got blown out. That's like the concerning parts is when you, yeah, like losing games early in the season, whatever. But the fact that I mean, you go and get blown out by a Kings team like that. But I mean, I think it was the Kings the other night. They played, was it the Lakers? And they played pretty close and then yeah. we lost uh to the warriors at golden state whatever and they played boston super super tough so i mean if you're a blazer fan or the blazers you can kind of see like it's not just happening to you like these teams that are beating you they beat some other good teams or at least they're, they're kind of yeah. keeping it close so everyone's up and down man yeah phoenix is like rocking people around too after everything we've seen from them but they're still frustrating but I think we can go to the Raptors game. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the Raptors game. Uh, again, Mikey, thank you so much for, for taking me to that one. That was a lot of fun. Uh, 
it uh, it didn't go so well for the Blazers. Dame broke his uh, I heard 230 game streak of double digit scoring. He only had nine points in the in that one. Uh, frustrating night for for the Blazers. As much fun as you and I had at it, at it. Um, but I don't know. It, I'm again. This was not one that it didn't it didn't bother me too much. Or I, I, like, what was your perception? How much? What, how did you feel about the game? Uh, it was just kind of a little rough watching the Blazers. Um, they were in it for so much of the game. But, uh, yeah, Toronto, it, it was just really disheartening seeing, like, you know, Damian Lillard getting kind of roasted by uh, Fred Van Vliet. And, <laughs> like, you expect Siakam to do what he's doing, and albeit on, like, not incredible efficiency or anything like that, but he's he's tough to stop. And, uh, yeah, like, you know, you, you expected him to be a real matchup issue, but... Van Vliet going for 30, I, I felt, was uh, a little bit much. And uh, w- would have been nice if Dame kind of matched him shot for shot there, even though he did get the 10 assists. Seeing right, Dame yeah. in, in uh, single digits, like, you know, I, I think he had like nine points on like two of 12 from the field. That, yeah. That's just not what you typically expect from Damian Lillard uh, against a, a team that is missing their main point guard defender. And this broke a 230 game streak of Dame scoring in double digits as well. Well, and Toronto made like every effort to lock him up. Sorry, Ty, I'm not, I'm not trying no, to jump on you too much here, but they, they locked hard on Dame, but uh, we did have some other highlights for it though. You mentioned Dame's 10 assists uh, and Ty, last week you talked about uh, when Nasir Little might be starting. I think you uh, were saying maybe it would happen in Atlanta. I don't think it happened for that game, but I believe he started for against Toronto and mm-hmm. then against Spurs as well, right? Yeah, uh, so the, like he's looking good. He looked pretty good against Pascal Siakam in that one, honestly. His, I, yeah, I, I mean, for like a 19 year old going against guy who's arguably going to be like an All NBA <laughs> player this year, he looked pretty good. Right. Uh, he didn't look like, I mean, like he didn't look like a deer in the headlights out there. He was fighting. He was exactly. nervous to take jump shots. He was like taking open looks. So Blazer fans I've, have seen the deer in the headlights thing before from some of our players. So yeah. just like what you said right there, I think that's improvement, right? That's something we can be happy about right now. <laughs> yep, I'll take that. I'm very encouraged with his play. But yeah, that was a that's a sucking game, and that's also gonna be. I mean, obviously, like we can hope that with like, like with Nasir that he can develop throughout the season. But I think that's gonna be the like huge problem for the Blazers is is like when they run into teams like that, like with guys who are six nine who can do stuff, or like with the Clippers when they have Paul George and right. and th- like that, like they have nobody who can check those guys realistically who can check him like and then like try and hold him from getting 30 like we might all right like let's kind of or let's try and hold him like a quiet 30 tonight with like i mean that's kind of <laughs> sad but that's kind of where we're at well and that's been kind of the general direction of the nba i feel like where the, it's those wings that's been the real value like the Kawhis, the paul george the pascal siakams i i think that's what portland really liked about uh having both mo and chief is being able to defend that spot uh, better than than probably a lot of the, of the roster is going to be able to this year, but I don't know, uh, Mikey. What do you think as far as who is our best bet? I've seen Mario do pretty well against some of those kind of power players. Uh, against uh, I think Kawhi with the Clippers when we were playing them, Mario looked fairly good on the defensive end. Like we said, Nas is looking pretty good for a rookie. He has plenty of room to improve, obviously, but he has time to do so. Who who would you put right now as a uh, uh, from what you've seen? Who is probably our best defender for those wings? I. Like that makes my head explode. <laughs> the fact that we have to go to those two guys. Then it comes. Yeah, to those like, two, yeah. It should be Baysmore or Hood, like right? Like it but should be Baysmore. You would think Baysmore. Like right. Baysmore with the guy 
I wish he was 6'9". I wish he was 6'9", 6'8". <laughs> well, he's got the wing yeah, for it, that's though. That's always yeah. been the thing with him. He's, like, a little shorter than you want. But, yeah, he, he is long. <laughs> and, uh, like, I, I kind of... I almost thought he would be, like, the starting, like, small forward. Um, and, you know, have Hood off the bench for that, that little scoring punch. But Bazemore's just been so inconsistent offensively as well. And, like, like you're saying, like, even on both ends of the floor... But yeah, like for Mario Hazonia or Nazir Little to be the guys who you're like looking to lock down like a, a right. Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, like that ain't happening. That's a problem. It, 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 it's just, <laughs> I, it comes down to them also with like them not providing consistent offense. So it, it's one thing to, you know, lock down. You're never going to lock down Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. Right. You're going to limit them as the In best one way or an, an another, you just kind of want to at least be close to that level uh, with them on the floor. And, uh, yeah, that, that's where there's a, a major issue. Like, you were saying with Nazir, like, being confident shooting. Like, when I was watching the Spurs game yesterday, that guy was not confident shooting. He, like, <laughs> had plenty of open looks. He, he, yeah. he was worried. And the players weren't confident getting him the ball. Like, there were times where he was wide open in that corner and guys are just like, Oh, let me see who else I can get it to. Like, you know, it's, it's going to be kind of like an ongoing process with him. And, uh, like that was his big, uh, thing last year with North Carolina. He never really was a consistent long range shooter. And, um, you know, just other little like feel things as well. Uh, like athletically talented, very strong, has some ball skills, but it, it, it's going to take him time, and uh, I like I like the fact that they're playing him because th- they don't really have much to lose at this point, which is kind of why they signed who they did. But um, yeah, it, it's that, that's where they really struggled, and they even struggled with Mo and Chief, right? Like right. you know, getting consistent offense from them. Well, so this is actually a good point, though. Like those guys were somebody you could rely on a bit more. But th- this is a good point, though. Like, w- Chief and Mo could be more relied upon uh, for consistent defense, but I think we've got guys here who have potential. They're young. They're backups right now. I think the the trick with Bazemore is he is getting. I am again. This is a broken record thing for me. You guys both know this at this point. The officiating. I don't know what is going on with Bazemore, but he's getting called for some of the weakest fouls, more so than other players on the team, even. So I'm not saying it's like conspiracy against the Blazers, but something he's doing is upsetting the refs. And it, it, there's there's something like I, I don't know exactly what it is, but hopefully he can figure that out and that can make a big difference for him. Uh, as, as, as far as the rest of the guys, though, yes, they're not as consistent as Chief and Mo were yet, but like you pointed out, Chief and Mo were never that consistent on the offensive end. This was always a problem we dealt with uh, with the last couple seasons for them. So all the talk right now with fans as far as like, oh, you guys missing Chief yet? Are you missing Mo Harkless yet? I'm still not that bothered by it. I'm, I'm not ready to be like, oh, man, reverse the trades. Like, it's... I, I still think we're in better shape now in the long run than we would be with those guys around, at least as far as price and, you know, when they're, when they're healthy, we're going to have more depth than we did. Am I wrong? Like, is it, are, are, you, are either of you guys, like, pining for a Chief and Mo back? I see Ty, you kind of shrugging shoulders. Uh, I mean, I'm not, like, going for him back right now. Like, I, I'm fine with the team. But I think it's just, like, in those moments, like, when you get those, like, matchups where there's 6'9", six, 6'10", six, guys, I just feel better with, like, Chief on there than having to think of Bazemore or Hood. Like, yeah, like, Chief might have been inconsistent on the offensive end, but I just feel all right, even if he wasn't that good, just 
he's at least long and he's at least a bigger body. Like those are the stuff I'm missing. It's just their their like size at that point. And also the the great thing about both of those guys, like uh where they went to, is they're playing the roles that they should have been playing mm. with the Blazers, <laughs> yeah. with mm. all things considered. Like, mm. you know, we never we shouldn't have needed them to play as many minutes as they, they had to play. We shouldn't have needed Mo as a starter, ideally. I did, yeah, yeah. It, it, it'd be great if he wasn't. Like, it, it would be great if he was coming off the bench like he is with the Clippers. And that's where he, I think, is really thriving. Like, right. that's where I, like, I, I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of the Magic. But all I know is when I've watched the Clippers, like, Clippers, people are like, oh, man, I really like Mo Harkless coming off the bench. And, um, yeah. To be fair, I think uh, I haven't watched a lot of the Magic games either. But from what I hear, I don't think Chief is doing that well down there yet. As far as like yeah, the numbers yeah, yeah. production, I could be wrong. Uh, but I agree with you as as far as <laughs> I agree with you as far as Mo though. He definitely he seems to thrive more off the bench. And I think something we saw of him here in Portland is that he some of the confidence issues and some of kind of the they 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 called it mood swings. I don't want to say it's that because that has has its own connotations at this point with mental health and the rest. But um, all the Kyrie stuff and all those headlines, but. He definitely has some ups and downs. Mo had ups and downs, and I think coming off the bench might just fit him a little, a uh, little more. So, you know, maybe if we had Mo coming off behind Bays, that could be a nice combo. Then I wouldn't be too bothered with Chief. But I still think there's potential in this lineup. I want to get back to one of the other guys you mentioned, though, is uh, Nas. Let's talk about him a little more. This game last night against the Spurs. Uh, first things first, actually, shout out to Rip hey! Twitty. I went over to the uh, the Rip Twitty watch party over at Ancestry last night on Hawthorne. <laughs> crowd ancestry is a good spot for it we feel they filled the place up uh good to see all the faces shout out to hey! let's see alex uh michaela uh rochelle gracie i'm trying to think of who else is there running the show but all the rip twitty crew did a really nice job with that one game as well though blazers did a really nice job with this Nas is who i want to talk about first um we mentioned he didn't look too good as far as the shooting. He was one for five from deep, I think maybe two of eight from the field overall. But he had eight rebounds, two of them on the offensive end, only one turnover for a rookie. I'm pretty I, – I'm not happy that he has to be playing minutes right now. Uh, but, you know, injuries are what they are. Uh, but I've, as far as what he's doing on the floor, man, he's looking pretty good. Like I'm, I think he's as, – uh, as far as what I expected from him as a rookie right now in the season this early on – I'm I'm pretty happy with it. And again, if this is a season where maybe we have to relax our expectations and not worry so much about the outcome this year, but more think about down the road what happens next season, this dude could be someone that I'm uh, kind of excited uh, excited about. What do you guys think, Ty? Where are you at on on Nas after some after two starts? Right, he's played what like 36 minutes or something like that last yeah. night. He's, a, I, he's I'm a, 
I'm very like I, I I'm all right with what I've seen with him. Uh, like it's better than like what some people thought he slipped for in the draft. Like he just had no idea what he was doing on the basketball court, which he still might be pretty clueless on the offensive end, like with sets or like on defensive schemes and stuff. But he's using his body, he's using his athleticism, right. he's using his length. He's wiry. He's gonna at least go like drive for the ball. Like he's gonna do little things. Well, I mean, and, and like, oh wow, that was a big play. Sorry, I got distracted by the football game. Uh, he's gonna <laughs> do little things. But what's nice about him is he's not trying to like really force anything. Like he's not like, hey, like I'm just your little five star recruit. Like or like let me show you like or like let me like go score now. Like he's kind of sitting back. Like he's being the fourth or fifth option. He's like letting stuff come to him, which is nice to see. Like he's not forcing anything, and he's just kind of being out there and he's just kind of doing what's asked of him, which I mean, that's what all like, you can expect from a 19 year old right now. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Ty there. I I've been, you know, like I, I'm cautiously optimistic and uh, I, I did really like the pick um, and, and felt they didn't really have a lot to lose there. Um, and th- there certainly is talent and like, you know, it seems like uh as far as like character and all those things, like very much in his favor. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm really interested to see what happens. And then, you know, he, he was a plus 15 yesterday, like, right. Right. So he, he may not have been like assertive and they may have been a little, um, kind of tentative to get him the ball in those open situations, but, uh, it still worked out. And, it's early. Uh, yeah, it, was... it was a big win. That was yeah. a really big win. Yeah. And, so, and 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 then also like what's big with him is is like Stotts was playing him while they were down in the fourth quarter, like trying to make the comeback and win this game. He had little out there, like he didn't take little out, like point. and that's something for Stotts. Like he doesn't really trust young players. First, I mean, so for him to leave little out there means something. So let me actually tie that in. I had one quote that I saw on a uh, Twitter when I was trying to look back at, and it was he uh, Nas played 32 minutes last night, not 36, like I said. But uh, ESPN's draft analyst Mike Schmitz. He had a tweet out there that said, good to see Nasir Little playing 32 minutes as a starter and impacting the game with his energy. Blazers stole this one. And he actually subtweeted, I think subtweeted himself, uh, a tweet he had had back from the Combine in May where he was talking about Nasir Little's game. Uh, and he had said at that point even, his understanding of where he excels and where he can still improve will allow him to maximize his potential. So like you're saying, uh, Mike, as far as maybe Stotts is seeing this, maybe Stotts is seeing, or Ty, I think you just mentioned that he can be in there at the end of the game. Maybe Stotts is seeing that, yeah, this guy understands what he's lacking right now on the offensive end so maybe it's not going to hurt as badly and that is a, a big deal that in his second nba start he's getting uh he's getting left in there for the end of the game situation in a close game on the road that we're trying to win right yeah so let's uh let's do my talk about the game itself big win for the blazers 41 points in the first quarter on 76 percent shooting so obviously started hot uh ended uh then it, i think maybe I think second quarter going into the third is when we got down, but we were down by almost as much, or, or was it 20 points as well that we ended up down by? Uh, it was close to that. Then we end the game on like a 30 to 10 run. Uh, and so what did we come back and win by? Like 124 to 117 or something, I think was the final score. 121, 116. <laughs> okay, I was close. 121, 116. But yeah, man, uh, besides Nas not looking too hard on the numbers, but still like producing well, CJ. This was his, he, uh, he finally gave us a blowout game, right? He had 32 points, six rebounds, and seven assists. So as much as I have talked about him not uh, being able to distribute and run an offense, uh, he, he looked pretty good doing it last night. He came out of his funk, it seemed like, and he only yeah. had like two turnovers. He was shooting well. He was getting to his spots. He was uh, doing what CJ does where he hits like three shots in a row. Like he wasn't going 
shot, miss, 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 shot. He was hitting shot after <laughs> shot. And then for him, like, he needs that to go down because that gets him kind of more into it. Like, then that gets him kind of, like, dribbling, like, side to side more. He's trying to get guys off their heels. Then, like, he almost gets more fired up, like, when he hits one or two shots. So, yeah, I said I was watching this at the Rip Twitty Watch Party. Ty, I'm not sure where you were at, but Mikey, I'm assuming you uh, were you able to watch this game? Or you, oh, you I watched most of it. Um, I, I will admit, I did kind of flip between uh, the Oregon and uh, Blazer game at the end. Uh, That's fine. <laughs> I, did, I did watch it the very end, but I, I watched most of the game. And, um, yeah, it was just, it's kind of crazy that CJ was finally looking like, you know, the CJ McCollum we saw most of the playoffs. Right. Uh, and then uh, Dame is kind of uh, taking on the CJ McCollum at the beginning of the season role on this one. Uh, but, well, yeah, it well, still, like, uh, still works. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think uh, as far as Dame, like we saw in the Toronto game, bro, uh, the teams are really focusing on him, not just doubling him, but just completely cornering him down when he tries to drive to the rim because he's he, they know he they know his game at this point they know how good he is at it that has definitely i think been probably the biggest downside of dame playing so many minutes this early in the season is that his game is pretty out there and exposed for for teams to scout at this point so we definitely need these second third and fourth weapons coming in but cj yeah he did a pretty good job of it and ty like you said unlike the other games so far this season this wasn't just kind of cj with a make and then a bunch of misses falling, he's getting to his spots more. He, I feel like it's less forced. Uh, his field goal, yeah, 52% from the field, 54% from deep. Uh, and the only only two turnovers as well, man. Uh, and so he's he looked pretty good. He had 23 points in the first half even, I think I had noted in there. Uh, he, he, he was on fire the whole way through, I guess is my point. And he wasn't, like you said, doing it inefficiently. So... I'm pretty happy with this. Uh, I was also pretty happy to see Pop get a, uh, get ejected. Uh, how about, I think in the third quarter. So and do we think really he did that on purpose? I've seen a video where like he's coming out, he yells "mother effer" at the ref twice, <laughs> and then you. and then he gets tossed, and he does this like look yes. to like oh I, to some coach like, hey, like hey, I finally got thrown out. Like up, like I don't know. It, and Dude. then also with Pop, he's the type of guy who'd be like, you know, like this game doesn't matter, or let's see what my assistants can do. That way, I can like. Just get him mold and more ready for this stuff. I'm I'm out. I got other stuff to do now. Like, that's just kind of how I think he would roll. I feel like I uh, think uh, heard about that kind of thing before. The Oregon versus Arizona game. Also, <laughs> <laughs> one thing I'll throw out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. And and I Ty, I agree with what you're saying. I I think I've heard of this kind of stuff before with Pop, where he's definitely one that has used it to kind of maybe incite the players or get something going or. That's a fair point as far as uh, could he? Because he has like three new his... assistant coaches, so yeah. maybe he's trying to get them like publicity. He has Becky Hammond on the bench. Maybe he's trying to get her more into it, or maybe he's just, or maybe he's just pop Tim and he's Duncan. just mother effing the ref and he got tossed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that video you're talking about though, man. It was great. Like so, he's mad about I think a foul call against Derek White. This is early in the third quarter. Blazers were leading by eight at the half, so you know he's he's a little frustrated. Maybe feeling like he, again could need to motivate the team here, but he's a little mad about a, a foul. I don't think the foul was that bad, but he like. Chases the ref who's on the baseline. The ref tees him up, and as soon as he tees him up, Pop is stepping on the court. So you know, like he, it's already in his head. Like I'm going. I, like he's going full board. This. Uh, he steps on the court, talking with his hands, kind of throwing everything around. Uh, and when he gets the second tee, that's when they zoom in on him. That's when the cameras finally decide, oh, let's go in close on Pop. He's being held back by the assistant. And you see him drop the f bomb. And then yeah, he kind of gives the eyes like, oh, all right, well, see you guys later. He's <laughs> like, it's so nonchalant. He does not care. And they kind of turned around. That was the other thing, right? The team yeah. kind of turned around. And, and, it, it, and it, for a while, it looked like uh, the Blazers were kind of going to do their thing again. But, yeah, they came back and uh, got it done. 
they finally closed out a game. We had uh, some clutch free throws, I think, even from white side, right? And, uh, five for five last stretch. night. Five yeah, for man. five last night. I, we were talking uh, at the Rip Twitty Watch Party. Uh, shout out to them again. Uh, we were talking about uh, how many. Actually, and, and let me actually shout out some of the listeners. Hey! Seth Morgan, uh, Berlacious M. Trying to think of who else I saw there last night. Uh, my apologies, guys. I forget who else I was talking to at this point. But uh, yeah, we a number of us were talking about uh, White Side's free throws, and we all kind of put him like, "Oh, is he like a fifty percent shooter?" I'm like, "No, he's got to be like sixty-five or so. He's doing pretty well with it." I think he was seventy-four percent is what they put on the screen at one point last night. So that's a uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. All right, well, uh, that's the games. <laughs> yeah, th that's the games for the week. That's all we had uh, as far as the game review. No real topics to discuss. You know, I, I heard there's maybe some small rumors uh, so of something going on. No big deal of anything. Uh, no, 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 nothing big yet. Yeah, I haven't heard yeah. it. Mellow! Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, like dude. It. I just, I, I, I don't, obviously, we don't need to introduce this at all. Uh it's been three years in the making or something like that that Olshay has been chasing Carmelo Anthony. Uh, Steve DeWalda over at Blazers Edge put out a report uh, kind of breaking down Woj's breakdown of the details uh, that kind of led the Blazers to the signing. And he talked about how Olshay, yes, had been chasing him for multiple years, but at this point, I the, the, the story, the, the hype they're putting out there uh, is that Olshay had to confirm with Melo that this isn't just a farewell tour, that we need him to play like it matters. Uh, and the, the quote in the article from Woj, I think, is that Olshay needed to hear that Anthony is eager to play ball and impact winning, not simply re-enlist in the, into the NBA lifestyle or take a good bylap. Uh, let's talk about that one first, then we'll move on to the rest of this. You got to cover your Buy bases. it or not. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, and then also what I think in there, like he said, like we need you and you need us or something like that. So right, yeah. I mean, it's, oh, I mean, I, I I called this hype for a reason though. Like, how much do we actually buy this? Is this just like you know, kind of just some some BS, some some for for the uh, the Olshay uh, eaters? I guess. I don't, I, well, well, he's the opposite of. A I hand. think he's, he's really good friends with Wardenowski, so I think Woj is just trying to make it twisted a little That's bit fair. better for that, but. I think he's got to bring some excitement behind it. He's got to make it seem like Melo's coming in here to actually, th or he's coming in here to actually think he can come off the bench and like come contribute. He's not just coming here like that. He's, it's not like a publicity stunt for the Blazers. It's not to keep him in the national media. That's what Olshay's putting out there. That this is a winning move. We are doing this because we think this is going to affect winning. So that's what he's putting out there. But I mean, I don't know. I'm excited about it. Um, I've been a Carmelo like fan. I mean, I'm never like I've always enjoyed watching him play. I really he's, he's fun okay. to watch. I mean, like I don't really care. I was like growing up, I always played 2K with him. He'd get buckets. He'd get hot. <laughs> he can. He's always fun to watch that stuff. I didn't really care growing up about personalities or teams. Like I just like guys that could put up points and look cool doing no, it. No, no, he was fun Listen. doing that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't feel like you got to apologize for that. At all I, no, I'm not at all. Time for it. But, I think uh, he's uh, I think he might be able to do something. He's six eight. He's a big body. He's got a quick yep. jump shot. I yep. think if you picked a hundred players, like I mean, like on Earth, I mean, for a half court basketball setting, and go, all right, go score. I think he's still one of the top seventy five players on the planet to go score. I might, yep. I might say he might. He's still really good at basketball. People might forget that that dude. You put him on a court, he's it carries the rest of his life. He's, I mean. I mean, like he's been playing since he was nine years old or even younger. So, yeah, no, dude, he's a. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Mike. Oh well, you ultimately you you just want to kind of see what role he's going to take. But a as we mentioned earlier, guys, like the Blazers' power forward options right now 
are Roger <laughs> Little and Mario Hazonia. Having yep. Carmelo yep. Anthony in there doesn't <laughs> seem like the worst thing in the world. And Tolliver, too. And Anthony Tolliver. Yeah, yeah, don't forget well. Tolliver, man. He, he's been dynamite. <laughs> but he's already been pushed out to the bench. Yeah, he's already done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He, he's kind of uh, taken uh, the even behind Melo role. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't see why, you know, like uh, it's the end of the world. Uh, I, I don't know if it impacts winning. I, I'm not yeah. certain on that one. But um, is it worth the shot? Like, you know, can they kind of just go in there and see if it works? Like, why not? Yeah. Um, like, beyond last night, like, it was kind of at that point where it's like, can the Blazers get worse? And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, don't know if, I don't think Melo necessarily makes them that much worse than what was already happening. And, you know, who knows? Like, it could be something where uh, they fit in. Like, are they're not going to be as good as they were last year. Right. mainly because of the rest of the conference and also because of the moves that they made. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's fun. You at least you want to see them be competitive and you want to see them be a fun team to watch. Mellow's style isn't necessarily the most fun anymore. Um, but yeah. the people like kind of like discounting what Mello did like throughout his career, like there were Ty, like you're, you're like, Oh, I'm like Mello is like a guilty pleasure, but yeah. like, he, he yeah. had a lot of fans back in the day. He oh, was a really huge. good player. Oh, huge. And, um, you know, yeah, like, uh, let's let's uh, see if uh, the Blazers can start, like, a 35-year-old Melo and uh, Pau Gasol and see how that goes. <laughs> it could happen. Well, I, I want to actually uh, kind of segue from what you said as far as, you know, the, the position we're in right now. Melo is a low-risk uh player here like he's he's not costing us a lot the yeah. the contract isn't even guaranteed till january there's a total question of what well, you can get rid of him after, if it's after not that point. working yeah, exactly. yeah but uh dame had a nice quote on mellow that I, I had a few snippets in the quote that i want to kind of touch on here so let me read the whole thing then we'll, then we'll jump back on this dame said about mellow coming to the blazers i think we're in a position where we've got a lot of guys hurt i think he can do something to help us with his size his ability to space the floor his ability to shoot Another option to throw someone the ball who can score in isolation situations. Good rebounder and just the experience. He's a good player, regardless of what the last few years in Houston and OKC looked like. I don't think either one was a great fit. I think he can do things to help our team win. We're not in a position to complain about it. He's a Hall of Fame player and he can still play. Okay, so the three things that I want to focus on here. First, another option to throw someone the ball who can score in isolation situations. Is this necessarily what we need? I mean, on, on one hand, yeah, we need more people who can score. But isolation has been kind of bugging me so far this season where I want to see the ball moved more. We are, what, 29th or are now 30th in assists as far as uh, the teams in the league. We, we, we need to get there. more. Yeah, we, 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 I, Melo is not necessarily the, the player who's going to help us maybe move the ball around the floor. And I do kind of worry how this will affect other young dudes who need the ball, need exposure, and need kind of a team system system to work with. Yeah, I, I you have to worry about that with Melo. Like, you know, he is like the quintessential ball stopper. <laughs> like, yeah, like that yeah. is what Melo has kind of become to most people. Um, but, you know, having a guy that at least can possibly, you know, create some offense when Dame and CJ are, don't have it going or one of them's on the bench, that's, that's not terrible. 
And um, you, you hope that it's not like, you know, the ISO ball, like mellow and like, you know, you hope he hasn't just become like kind of like the, the ISO Joe that everybody wants their team to sign if they're not doing so hot or having trouble getting offense. And then you still have to worry about the defensive issues. But if you play mellow at the four, like I we said, like, you know, there there's some definite struggles for depth at the four and for offense at the four. And um, why not take a gamble? Yep. Uh, Ty, anything on ISO or should we move on to the next bit? Um, I think we do need to worry a little bit on the ISO. Or not worry about it, but I think what's different with Dame and CJ is they might let Melo be Melo. And I think with the Rockets <laughs> and Thunder, they like were trying to force Melo into their offense, which never worked. And I think Dame's like, hey, like his is Melo. I can know Melo can score on the wing, which I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm saying those are the type of guys they are where I think they might even try to get Melo back in his old days. Go, this is what Prime Melo did, which is kind of scary. But yeah. I feel like Dame's the type of guy to go, here, go get a bucket on the wing because this is what you're known to do. And let's see if we can get you into it because we're trying to let you be mellow now. We're not trying to force you into our system, which could be kind of scary. It's it's scary, but it definitely is uh, Dame and CJ. They've been pretty consistent as far as being advocates for this. So you, you do get the feeling that maybe they are fans of his game from, uh, from back in the day. And yeah, I, I could see that happening. Okay, let's talk about the next piece as far as... Uh, Dame saying, regardless of what the last few years in Houston and OKC looked like, I didn't think either one was a great fit. Agree or disagree? Uh, Mike, you first. Let's go with it. Just, uh, is, that, is that a difference we could see here? Is Portland a better fit for Melo than Houston and OKC were? Portland probably like needs that offense a little bit more than the other two teams did. Like, yeah, okay. OKC thought they had like three stars with like, uh, you know, Russell and uh, PG and Melo. And Melo, he's not that anymore. And uh, and then like Russ and and PG need the ball so much anyway, and like just having Melo in there that that wasn't going to work. And then Houston with you know what Harden does, and like you want the ball in his hands, and if you have Melo out there, like it's it's not working. Um, I think expectations are kind of at a point where whatever Melo does is probably just like kind of gravy at this point like you're, you're you don't have very high expectations for him and then uh yeah like if Melo does finally get to the point where he's like oh you know if i'm not starting or like you know kind of complaining about that like with houston it, it didn't seem like he was happy coming off the bench hopefully there's like a bit of a change in mindset at this point with him in portland and uh like yeah like with him not being on a roster at the start of the season, uh, maybe there is that kind of change in mindset, and maybe that will make it a better fit in Portland. I yeah. think it will be a better fit in Portland. I think with the Rockets, like you're saying, I think like you want the ball in Harden's hands, and they also had Chris Paul, and they had that high-paced offense where they're trying to put up so many points, and I don't think that's Melo's game. I think with the Thunder, same type of thing. They had those two starts, and also they're kind of a scrappy team, and I don't think he's a scrappy player anymore, and they kind of want defense first almost there, and that's not Melo, so that definitely didn't fit. And also, <laughs> like, and then also, like, I felt kind of bad, not bad, but like, let's say like with Houston, he played like what, like nine games with them and then got cut. We've seen nine games from Kent Bazemore, and he's been not great with Portland. Uh -huh. So I feel bad point. with that. Like, I mean, like, he was trying to mesh on that team. 
I think that was the first time he's ever came off the bench like in his basketball career. So he's trying mm-hmm. to adapt to that. And in nine games, they cut him. So I think now if he goes, all right, this is my role. This is like, I'm now not this superstar. Like he's now had maybe more time to accept it. I think he'll be better in Portland. Let's talk about what you just mentioned. Is he is he going to come off the bench here or is he going to start? Yeah, I think he comes off the bench right away. I don't think Stotts will put him in the lineup. There's just trust and new, and I think Stotts wants to see. And I think maybe like same thing like with Nasir, like in four or five games, like if Melo's doing pretty good, he's like fitting in. Then I think he throws him in the starting lineup, but no, not right away. I, I, I you agree, Mike. I like where Ty was going with that. Like, yeah, I, I think initially bring him off the bench, see how he does, see how he fits in, and then um, yeah, like I, I think once Zach comes back, like he's going in there and Melo will yeah. have to come off the bench if he's still around. But still um, here, yeah, yeah I, I'd say give him a few games to kind of get into the system. And then uh, if it works out and, you know, he's giving them what they want, then uh, why not? Like just uh, as a kind of temporary replacement for uh, a Zach Collins once he gets back. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. Well, you know, that's uh that makes sense to me. Let's talk about some numbers real quick. I want to uh kind of give Melo's career stuff, then just ask you guys two questions. So don't look at don't look up Melo's stats if you're if you're not doing it yet. Uh, then we'll get to some listener questions after that. Hey, <laughs> nice. Both throw the hands up. I like it. Okay, so in uh in 2018-19 season, Ty, like you said, Melo. I think he, uh, what I had recorded here is that he played 10 games with Houston. He averaged in those 10 games 13.4 points per game on 40.5 percent from the field. That's not quite his career averages, but not horrible either. If we were getting 13 points per game on this, from this guy and 40% from the field, that's probably helping. I'd be going crazy career. right now. Like if that was Hazonia, I'd be right. throwing a yes, freaking parade that, in Portland exactly that Mahari Hazonia is doing that. So, <laughs> uh, No, his his career averages, though, he, uh, 24 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 3 assists per game. Obviously, we're not going to see that. Uh, but just to give you know listeners or people that are not as familiar with Melo an idea of what he has done in the past and what why kind of Damon CG might he's be the second active leading scorer behind LeBron James right now or that's currently playing that's in the point. NBA. Okay, so that's he's obviously he was very good at his prime. Like back in two thousand, what ten, eleven, twelve, when he was with the Nuggets or even first couple years with the Knicks, he was, whew, dude was a flamethrower when he got it going. So let's uh, let's look at some advanced stats then. Ty, thank you for throwing that in here. Uh, do you guys like? Uh, how do you feel about PER or win shares? Which do you prefer? Um, yeah, it, it doesn't really matter to me. Okay, well, so I maybe go P- PER because that's what most people go with. But let's, let's go PER, player efficiency rating, right? So the idea of this stat is it measures uh, a player's production on the floor. The league average is fifteen. That doesn't mean a player is that that yeah. That doesn't mean a player is bad if they're below fifteen. It's just you want. If, if you're looking to build a roster of guys, you want everyone to be 15 or greater uh, to the best of your abilities, right? Melo's PER over his career is 20.3. Without looking it up, how many Blazers are higher than Melo's career PER? Two. Yeah, I was like two or three, maybe. Like. Uh, so on the active roster right now, uh, here, how about that? Is, 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 is it Who this on season the or roster? just? Uh, career. Oh, career career oh, okay. PERs. Career, okay. P, career, because I, I don't want to compare this season to Melo's career, right? So Melo's career is 20.3. So career PRs for our players. Who do you think is the highest on the Blazers roster? And Mikey, you're sticking with two being over Melo's 20.9. Yeah, I, I feel like it, PR does usually favor bigs. So I, I would think Whiteside. And then, um, not guaranteed. Uh, and then Dame. Ty, you agree? 
Yeah, that's where I, I don't. Yeah. You're, you are both correct. Uh, Whiteside is 24.1 career PR. Dame is 21.6. CJ, 17, barely above average of that 15. Then Hood is 13.2. Anthony Simon somehow is already 13.5. Uh, Nurk was 19.1 over his career so far, and LaMarcus Aldridge, ah. just for reference, 20.9. So that kind of gives an idea. I was thinking Nurk might get into that 20, but that's yeah. that 19 sounds about right. Nurk's young. He's he's just under. Well, one thing with the whole mellow thing, uh, what's his PR been the last few years? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is a good yes. question. No, I'm, I'm actually I'm curious. Let me go, let me go see if I can uh, do that. And then the other uh, thing with the 13.4 per game in Houston, what was his net rating? His net rating in Houston? Oh gosh, that's getting exactly. cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let, let's let's not focus on too many of these negative numbers. <laughs> if we're gonna look at his rosy past, we, we need to look at the president. You're right. No, that's you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, it does not paint as good of a picture, but I'm hoping that uh, you know, I'm hoping that this this Portland spring of youth that we've seen other players kind of come here and like revitalize their careers, maybe it will help Mello. Let's go over win shares though, and then we'll move on to the listener questions. Uh, Mello's career win shares, 101. And so again, this is just the value of uh, the idea of how many wins he has added to teams over the years, like how many he's actually contributed to wins. So Mello at 101. Of those same Blazers we talked about a minute ago, I kind of went through the, the guys here and then Nurk and Aldridge and all those. Um, how many of them are above 101? Who do you think is the highest? Uh, g- give me your feel, Mike. No one. Win shares. Who do you think can compare? No one. No one's touching Mellow's 101? Ty, do you agree? Yeah, no way, because he's, I mean, he's been around a while. He's got a lot more years. Yeah, he's been around. Yeah, you're both right. Well, here, I will say this. Uh, let me start with what Aldridge, former Blazer. Oh, I didn't look at Pau. That's yeah, that's actually. true. Yeah, yeah, let me, yeah. Let me pull He's got to have the good win shares. Like, maybe be close and probably would be over because he's played a little bit longer. You know why I didn't look at Pau is because he's not active on the roster right now. I haven't even seen him play this year, so I haven't, it's not even in my mind. You but you're right. Him. Pau's win shares is 144.1. So he, And what's he his career PER? Uh, pull it back up. Pau's career PER, 21.4. So ah. just over a mellow. Uh, so again, the white side leading the pack here. Uh, so yeah, again, Powell 144 win shares, Aldridge 108, Mello 101, Dame 72.9. So all the work that he has done has, has added up to 72.9. He's almost to Mello at this point. Almost, you know, kind of. Maybe. We're not even gonna worry about the rest. No, no one else. Over time. Like, Over time. Right? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah this right. is like his seventh, eighth season. Like Jesus, that's yeah, really good. Sounds about right. All right, let's go to listener questions there real quick. Uh, I, I had a listener pull out there, and we have some responses from that. But before we get to that one, I just want to throw this one in here. Uh, listener, shout out to Blazers in 5 at Justin B. Leak. I love that CJ's signature move is getting his own rebound off of a missed jumper and scoring. That got me. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of got Because it's At least true. he's going after it. At least he's going yeah. after the miss. He, he had a number of offensive rebounds against Spurs last night. I think at least two of them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't mind it, man. I'm, I'm okay with it. But, uh, yeah, it was a good quote. Uh, so, shout out to Blazing hey. 5 for that one. The listener poll, though. Let me pull this guy up because I had this out here. I, I put, out to, uh, put out to the listeners, vote below on how confident you are in the Blazers' season and then leave us a question and you'll comment on the rest. So, the, the, the options for the Blazers' season as far as confidence. Conference finals are a lock. We're going to be a top four seed. Playoffs are for sure, but and then tank for the draft. Where are you guys at among those four? How are you feeling about the, uh, the season right now, Mikey? I, again, it's okay that it's a throwaway season, but yeah, of those four, where are you? I, I, I'm probably right now at the 
the last option. But, but um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be, I'm not against, like, at least trying to get that uh, eighth seed or seventh or eighth seed. Um, but That's yeah, just the, with the way things are going, it, it just, it doesn't look fantastic. Listen, you're you're the draft guy, Mikey. I, I to- of course you want to tank for the draft. You're the draft guy. You would know the most about what's coming up, so I, I totally can value that opinion. <laughs> I'm totally good with that. Uh, Ty, what do you think? Play- do you think playoffs are good, or should we just be kind of trying to go to the bottom end, develop our young I guys? I mean, I'm, I'm with that. I'm trying to get into the playoffs, but if it does not look like that's actually a realistic thing, go to the draft. I love draft processes. I don't care if it's NFL or the NBA, so let me start it early. Start looking up players I can do. So, there we go. There we go. There we go. And again, you know, this is not, there's nothing wrong with saying that at this point. If, oh, look, for me, we're not, we're what, 13 games into the yeah, season? There's still a long I, I said, way to figure out this year. I said earlier that I need to see at least 20 games. And if we're going to add Mello, I think that needs to be extended. I think you need to know more sample size to really know where we're going to be. I'm just saying, let's say we get to like January, February, and we're like battling for the eighth seed or we're that 10th seed and we're like six games behind. And there's still a chance we can make a run if if we play good and other teams play bad. I'm saying just, oh, just call it there. <laughs> Listen, yeah, if we get to January, before Mello is a guaranteed contract, if we are not, if it's not looking good good i i'm i'm not here to fight for the eighth seed i want to i want to either get some get our young guys some run we got plenty of uh plenty of play from Nas and simons and uh some other team our new guys to be excited about and to kind of see what we want to hold on to for the next couple years i don't want to just be the eighth seed that is going to be slaughtered in this thick ass western conference playoffs uh but as far as the listeners we had let's see 56 votes 57 percent said playoffs for sure but so a lot of the listeners do want to see us just get that seed and i'm okay with that too it is fun to see the team compete uh i'd much rather watch competitive games than non-competitive games i'm just saying even if we are tanking for the draft or whatever we still got enough young guys and new players that you could be not winning games and still having fun competitive games to watch and kind of get something for the future Okay, so that's something we definitely have been spoiled on the last couple of years. I don't think Blazer fans are really real, or maybe they do, but like, I mean, like, we've been competitive, we've been in playoffs. I mean, like, teams like the Hornets, like, fans for them, they're just done before the year or stuff like that, like, or the Suns the last couple of years. So I think, yeah, it can get boring getting the eight seed, seven seed, but hey, I mean, like, at least like when the end of the season happens and on Twitter or like, or whatever. Uh, they have like, like that big playoff thing that they put on, like your team's in it, like the like final sixteen teams or whatever. Like your team's in that, so like that's always cool to see. So, yeah, no, it's it's well, actually, you know, okay. Here, let's tangent off on that for a second. Uh, I don't think Ty, I don't think you and I have actually even talked about this. Where do you guys stand on best sixteen teams versus the 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 East and Western Conference kind of the playoff matchup? Like, would you rather see top sixteen, Mikey? What about you? As far as the uh... yeah, I. I'd be very interested in seeing like the top 16. I just think they'd have to kind of adjust the schedule accordingly. Right. You know, like it, it would be a thing where, you know, you would probably play all these teams like three times a year, which would be weighted very strange. And like, you know, you'd have to have like, you know, two home games and one road, like that kind of thing with a yeah. bunch of teams. But yeah, um, yeah if, if they like kind of switched the divisions and, and did all that, I, I would be interested for sure. I'm definitely interested. Um, I know I've heard people say like, "Oh, the travel and all that stuff." It's, it's not that bad. They have these luxury planes. They're fine. They, they have guys who all that stuff. Which yeah, I mean it sucks, but they're fine. 
I mean, obviously, like a Knicks Blazers one would suck. But let's say throw our hands in the air. Let's say like that was the finals matchup. That's gonna be the plane ride anyway. Like you're gonna be going East Coast West Coast regardless. So I mean, I mean, it's so, like eventually, like I mean, like these long plane rides are gonna happen. So I I think that. It's just a dumb excuse. But yeah, I mean, I'd like to see it. I don't know if we'll see it because these owners in the West and the East who get in like with like not 500 records, I think they like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I think the problem is kind of the convincing enough of the owners that it would change. But I think in the long run, I think it is the, the right way to go. So I just wanted to kind of get that one in there. I was curious, but thank you. Thank and you it would be really interesting, like, because would you do it like one versus 16? Like that know. kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, well, you could also, as far as the travel too, you could do stuff to change up, um, you know, just kind of change the order as far as like instead of doing two and two, uh, like the back and forth, like maybe you do larger blocks in one place so there is less cross-country travel of like a blazer. What if they series. did like the March Madness format where they each go to like Madison Square Garden four teams play? I mean, uh, see, I don't know see, if that would ever happen in the NBA. Cause the the just problem the with money that is too many stuff, fan bases. Yeah, like you're, you're, you're going to cut yeah. off so many fan bases. That It'd be fun, man. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I mean, like for a fan, well, like that'd, be awesome. like that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome to go to. And stuff yeah. Like that. yeah, 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 yeah. The in-season tournament could totally seem change like that it too. Makes sense, but I think it, I, dude, I think a uh, mid-season tournament totally makes sense. I would love to see it at some point. This, uh, it's the same kind of thing though. You'd have to have so much change. Uh, I don't know. I, I'd be curious about it. Okay, let's rewind this back in here though. Uh, <laughs> I have some responses from the listener poll we put put out there from. Three of our listeners. Uh, first one at blanked or blanked at zero sum, spelled with some numbers in there, so it always throws me off to say it. Says with Damian Lillard clearly playing at an MVP level thus far and clearly improving year over year, what does he possibly have to add to his game? Mikey, what do you think? What can Dame add to his game when he is already? I mean, because let's let's establish first. Do we all agree Dame is not just like fringe maybe MVP? He's a full on MVP candidate right now, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not saying he's like a lock to get it, but I think he's not just some fringe dude where like only Blazer fans are gonna talk about it. I think like across the NBA, Dame is right considered now. right yeah. now. Yeah, like yeah, Damian Lillard is, I think, considered by most people to be at least like in the top ten or so, and like constantly going yeah. to be like an All yeah. NBA like discussion. And uh, yeah, there aren't too many guards playing there than Damian right now. Yeah, especially, yeah, with the way things have gone with injuries this year, I, th- I think this season, man, I think he's pretty locked in for that. Okay, cool. But as far as what Blank was asking, what can Dame add to his game? Uh, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go first on this one. I think uh, what I would like to see Dame add is, is, is more free throws, honestly. And I, I don't think that is entirely up to him. I think he's trying to do what he can. But there has to be something. We talked last week, Ty, um, about... The Blazers don't seem to complain to refs the same way that other teams do, as far as trying to maybe get psychologically into the uh, into the heads of the officials and get and get a little more. Look, I, you guys are both smiling. I, I get it, but this is a real thing. If we're going to admit that officiating uh, is not objective, if it is a subjective thing, then you got to realize that teams, when when there's millions and millions of dollars in the game here, teams are going to look at that as a weapon, as a tool that they can use to attack. And so teams that aren't taking advantage of the refs are missing out on the game the same way that like we talked this summer about uh, all the kind of scandal with teams making deals before the the the, the, the draft, draft deadline or the draft deadline was 
Yeah, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, terms are getting mixed up. But it's the same thing. Like, we had quotes then from owners and kind of GMs talking about, well, yeah, I'd be willing to not break those rules until I found out other teams are doing it. Then you got to do it for the competitive advantage. It's the same thing with the officiating. If you're not taking advantage of these guys, when we are admitting that it's subjective, if we're going to be okay with officials being subjective about the calls and you're not trying to get an edge on them psychologically, then you're missing out on the tool for the game. So, so that would be... <laughs> So you're saying you want Damian Lillard to be more like Chris Paul a couple years ago? Yes, yes. As much as I dislike Chris Paul back then, as much as I love Damian his class, I think what is affecting Damian CJ not getting to the line is that when they don't get the call, they do the brief shrug and then they run down the court like good professional sports athletes. And as much as I love that, if what the rest of the if what if what the league is doing, if what Harden is doing, what Chris Paul has always done, what Doc Rivers does, is they get in the ref's ear and they pester them until it's on the verge of getting in trouble for it. They get the calls. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I don't know. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, I just, I don't think Harden, like, goes out and gets the refs, like, cookie grams or anything like that. I I just, (laughs) uh, I, 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 yeah, yeah. He, like, he does play to it and everything, but it's also, like, it's, with him, it's it's majorly like a style of play. Like he, you know, is constantly yeah. looking for those angles and everything like that. And like Dame does, like sort of, you know, you'll have at least like a couple times a game where Dame feels contact and like puts up that quick shot, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, I don't know if he needs to change his style that much. Like I, I don't know if it would work for him in the same way. Like. If Dame could be like maybe a little bigger or, or well, things like, that. well, I mean, like for him, like that's just not his personality to ever like act like that. Like yeah, that's just not how he carries himself off the court or anything. Like he's just uh, kind of is I'm what just, it is. And I th- you're, you're right. His personality is to roll with the punches and and be dominant. I feel like CJ might be more of that guy. I feel like CJ could be developed more into that Chris Paul, really think, snappy at the refs. He would be more into it, but he's still all about the respect and all that, but I feel like he has more of that personality that would be more fiery. I totally agree with that. I, I think we saw that from CJ even last night. I think there was a, a point where he's kind of like looking at the ref and you can see him kind of turn away. Then he turns back and snaps at the ref again, probably because he heard something said, you know, but anyway, yeah, but I, I just, that, that's what I thought Dame could add to his game. What about you guys? What could Dame add at this point to kind of really ascend to next level? If there is a next level beyond, you know, MVP candidate, 12 games or 13 games into the season. Um, well, we saw him add defense the last couple of years, which was, yep. that was always a thing, defense, defense, and he's done that. So I, I think that's nice. I think honestly, I mean, his game's fine. I wouldn't add anything. I think maybe he plays a little bit more like Steph Curry when he's off the ball, like he's maybe running around screens more, but I also think that's more Terry Stott's offense, but I would like to see him just sprint like across the court and go get like a quick open three. Like there's just not enough of that. Like, I feel like when Steph Curry's off the ball, he's constantly just running around, boom, boom. He's mm. trying to find where he is. And also, Player that's, movement. Yeah. And also, yeah. like, that's Steve Curry's offense. But I like to see that from Dame. Like, okay, I'm quick. I'm small. I'm 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, like, I can get lost behind these bigger guys. Let me run around a screen real quick and try to get a quick shot off. Because he's shown he has a quick jump shot. Yeah. Yeah. I, sorry, go ahead, Mikey. I, I just think that's more? a really good point about um, Ty brought up about uh, playing off the ball. Yeah. Um, he can also convince his teammates to set more moving screens. Like, that would be a really big thing for him as well. Yeah. Uh, and it, it definitely has helped Stephen Curry uh, win a couple <laughs> chances. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you knew what you were saying there. That was funny. 
Kim is talking <laughs> a bit good. more into to defense as well, even though I, he has improved there for sure. Um, but you know, kind of like stepping up to the challenge of a guy like Van Vliet, like you know, you'll you'll have those games yeah. where games going up against another point guard and kind of like you know, okay, I'll go under the screen and like you know, I'll give this guy the shot, like. I, I'd like to see him maybe step up a little bit more there, but there's not much more he can do. Um, he's been fantastic this year. He's been fantastic the last number of years. And uh, I like he has to be like among the best players to have played for the Trailblazers. And like, oh, yeah, with you, like, yeah, like the 72.9 like win shares, like, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge number. I, th- I think he's like, you know, just, yeah, it seems like he's only getting better. And um, I- I've been really impressed with uh, what he's done this year. Yeah, well, okay, so there we go. Uh, blanked as far as your question, what can you do to uh, improve his game? At the MVP level, not a whole lot, but yeah, the defense, player movement, and and getting in the ref's face. Uh, so <laughs> next question coming from Berlacious M at Berlacious M. Shout out to Berlacious, by the hey! way. He was there at the Rip Twitty Watch Party last night for the Spurs game. Uh, fun dude. And I, I I believe if I in I might have mixed up the names after a couple beers that I had there, but I think he is the one that donated a really nice blazer print, one of these art prints from past years. He had kind of like a, a heavy metal themed blazers edition. And Rip City Mojo, one of our other listeners, actually uh, ended up with that one. So that was kind of a, a cool exchange. Shout out to those guys. Hey! Uh, so Berlacious writes, if we have a strong showing against Houston with Nasir playing another solid defensive 31 minutes, do we just wave mellow and pretend that never happened? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, I want to see what happens. I realize I want to see Melo play. Yeah, I, I think people are kind of worried because they want Nazir to get the run and they, they don't want Melo to take any like minutes from the younger guys and give them more of a chance. And uh, yeah, yeah. especially if it doesn't work, then, you know, people will kind of be kicking themselves. But um yeah, like, let's just see how it works out, and uh, let's see, you know, if, if Nazir kind of struggles, then you, you might have a, a guy that could be a little bit of a change of pace. Yeah, I'm with <laughs> it. I just want to see how it works out before we rush to anything, and so... Yeah, I, I'm 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 curious to see what Melo will bring here, but yes, I would love to see I would love to see Nas play as much and as good as possible. He's looking pretty solid, so yes, Berlacious, we're with you that we want to see more from Nas. Just be patient with Melo. We'll see how that goes. Third question, final question here from Pinwheel Empire. I like this one, guys. So so this one's a little more uh, more analytical. So get your thinking caps on. Pinwheel Empire says what? It's a two-parter. What three things need to happen for Mello to be considered a success in Portland? That's the first one. The second part is what three things will happen for Mello to be considered a failure? Uh, what do you think? What are our parameters for Mello as a success and a failure here in Portland? Uh, he comes off the bench well, shoots okay. it well, okay. and is not absolutely terrible on defense. He's almost like kind of what Cantor was last year. Remember like how we had Cantor and everyone was like, oh, Cantor can't defend, Cantor can't defend. And all of a sudden playoffs, people were like, well, he wasn't great, but he wasn't absolutely terrible. He was just kind of out there. So <laughs> You I think totally get... stole my line for later. I had his, his, his mellow the new Enos Cantor. So, sorry, go there ahead. you go. So that's where I'm going with that. And then I think if it's a failure, it's he tries to be star mellow. Uh, he's absolutely terrible on defense, and he can't even like 
like and like he can't score like he can't hit open threes and he's just struggling from the mid range I think that's where you get a failure pretty simple things but <laughs> no that's fair parameters I like it I like what you lined up what, what do you think Mikey anything to add to those um yeah I just I want his bench celebration game to be pretty high level that would be for <laughs> success <laughs> um and I, I, I think like right along those lines um one thing I will say is like for it being a success is like him being willing to play off ball. I think that would be a very big thing. Like, you know, kind of uh, catch and shoot and things along those lines. Um, so if, if he's able to do that, then that would be pretty big time. Uh, uh, and then defensively, like, yeah, like kind of buying in. He's a strong player. Like, you know, He's strong. He definitely has like size on uh, Little and uh, Zonia, like as far as strength goes, like having the grown man strength he does. So, um, yeah, those, those things. And then for it being a failure, him just kind of, yeah, not playing into that role. Like uh, Ty was kind of saying, like him wanting to be Star Mellow. Um, and then, uh, yeah, if he just, if he stops the ball, like if they go from like 30th like I, they can't go lower but uh <laughs> let's say the, the <laughs> like you, you just don't want to see that happen no I, I think that's fair I like it good parameters for uh for what will be a success or or fail failure for Melo coming to Portland uh oh gosh I was, I was gonna ask him if I was trying to see if we had any listeners other listener questions that is all we have for now we have a few others that might be more related to the betting segment so we'll be right back in a second uh, with the third and final segment of the show, win, loss, or tie, uh, after we shout out to our sponsors, mm-hmm. clearly, clearly speaking, the Envy Adventures. Welcome back. Okay, shout out again to Clearly Speaking and Envy Adventures for supporting us through all these years. ClearlySpeakingOregon.com for all of your speaking and podcasting and speech uh, uh, endurance and consistency needs. Envy Adventures, ENVIAdventures.com for your flights and beautiful scenery all around the Pacific Northwest in Portland. So, quick touch on the Fantasy League here before we get to uh, win, loss, or tie. Uh, and I'll let you take over the, sh- the, sir- the show here, sir. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the, the Trailcasters Fantasy League has been going well. I just want to say about my matchup this week, I was on such a high because I was coming back. I thought, I'd, uh, I, thought I was crushing uh, Sheed's Stargate Research Group, who is a 3-0 team in our league so far. And after last night, uh, he blew me away. And so in less things, I've got, I've got a couple guys playing today, and he's got, I think, only a few as well. So unless I manage to pull this out, I'm going to be uh, split 2-2 two two so far in the season. And Sheed will go to 4-0, I think, in the other. How, how are you looking this week, Ty? Where are you at on the... I'm, I'm currently up 712 to 580. Nice. Um, looking pretty good. I got some players, so I should get the win this week after getting blown out by you. <laughs> and I lost I lost again the week last week, so I was one Okay, two, well, s- yeah, Making that comeback. On that, that middle, kind of that blazer track to kind of arc back towards the playoffs and get in there. Uh, Sheed, Sheed's target research group is 3-0. Let's see if we got... I think we got a couple on each side. I don't remember exactly where the players at. But yeah, man, it's looking good. Uh, Mikey, I'm not sure if I told you much about this the other night, but we have a 20-team uh, fantasy league going for the season here. 
Uh, so <laughs> the fact you can get seven twelve in a twenty team league, that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the scoring is, uh, we kind of customized that. I, I kind of worked it up a little more towards my my analytical mind and seeing what I think made sense. Like offensive rebounds are weighted heavier, assists are weighted heavier, oh. and missed points for missed shots and missed free throws and all that. Uh, but yeah, man, we got I got um, a couple other people from NBC. I got Danny Morang and uh, Chris Burkhart in here. We got a couple um, family members, my wife, my brother in on it, and the rest of them are just listeners. But we filled up a 20-team uh, team league because I think that was the max, right? Is that right, Ty? Uh, 20 teams at the top, they would allow? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, do. dude, so it's, uh, we got this going. The rosters are kind of thin. Uh, <laughs> the, the I can imagine. On the... <laughs> the, the best players on the on the waiver wire like Mason Plumley or like you know uh, who's that who's the rookie point guard Chris like Dunn, Chris yeah, Dunn. Uh, I just picked up uh, the other night I picked up uh, who's the, the he's all bragging that he got Malik Monk which <laughs> oh, like, he should be all up in arms about or whatever I'm like he, he, he killed you, it Keith. the other night man I picked him up before a hot game that's just like look if you're gonna use the waiver wire in a, in a league like this you gotta hit those hot games and and it worked for me on that one but this is the guy I was trying to find Frank Jackson for New Orleans right he's a, a rookie point guard I thought he was gonna do really well he had one hot game not a rookie then, but okay oh I'm sorry not a rookie no is he not what second year uh, I think third yeah okay yeah third Maybe I've never third, even heard yeah. of this guy alright well <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah uh, Mike just to give you an idea of our scoring though his last four games He's gone five points, five fantasy points, I mean, then negative one fantasy points, then 38 fantasy points, and then negative one last night. But he played like one quarter last night, right? So it was, it was not really his fault either. Anyway. You know, on guys, uh, he's on the waiver wire, uh, Chris Boucher. That's all I'm saying. Okay, uh, okay. okay. I'll, watch, I'll watch for Boucher. <laughs> all right, yeah, that's enough of the fantasy league this week. I've learned my lesson to not talk trash because I'm not good at it. Uh, so, uh, Ty, you want to take over? You got ignored last time you did that. <laughs> Ty, you want to take over for the betting lines? Yeah, what do we got here? We got um, four games, I think, till we will do this next because we're doing it next Sunday. So, Oh, here, let me throw out before you get to those four games. Uh, one of our listeners, Jeremy Barrett, at Barrett Jeremy, actually, wrote in his predictions for the road trip. So I want to put his in here, then we'll compare. Cool? Uh, cool beans. He says, I think the rest of the road trip, we will end going 4-1. Houston will be close, uh, but I think we will beat them by three. Pelicans, we will get to possibly see our new addition, Mello, and we will win that one. Milwaukee, we will probably lose because of the Greek freak. Okay, uh, so 4-1 for the road trip uh, going out this way. And so, so Ty, excuse me for jumping in there, but please take over. You're good. Uh, so the first one is at Houston. That is tomorrow. Um, there might be a line for that one. We can guess that. Uh, I'm assuming the Rockets will be probably favored in that game by like four and a half points, four points. Okay. You think it's gonna be um, that close? Well, I just think that's what the I think that's what the line will be opened up as. Yeah, I think the I mean the Blazers are coming off a decent win on the road. They've been all right on the road, but I think Houston gets all a lot of love from the betters, James Harden and all them. They like to put up points. Um, I could see the Blazers taking that one. That's going to be rough. That's really going to be a test of their defense on if they can win a shootout in games like that, like if they can just get into a three-point shooting contest, if they're going to be able to hang with teams like Houston. Um, yeah, I think four points. What do you think, Keith? Think they think that's too high, too low? Oh, man, I just I, I, I like the confidence in the Blazers. Uh, you're right about the road record or the road game so far in the early season, uh, and we are just coming off the road win, but, man, with how decimated this roster is, although Houston's missing Capella right now, I think I think he's day to day currently. Uh, so yeah, yeah, maybe it's possible. Four, four might not be too bad. I would have, 
off the top of my head, I would have given more favor towards Houston, uh, as much as I hate to say it. But hey, I'll take that four. Uh, let's let's go Blazers. Let's do it. What do you think, Mikey? <laughs> oh, I, I think Houston's gonna win. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it's probably gonna be one more than four. But uh, yeah, that, that's I, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I don't think we can blame you. you know, <laughs> no, that's yeah. how we like to go. <laughs> no, it's uh, I'm just literally just trying to guess like what I literally think that Lions will be. I think the Rockets will probably end up winning this game. Uh, no, no, that, I'm sure we can probably even find that. That's fine, Ty. You set the lines, then we're gonna decide which side that we're on. And I, I'm glad to hear that he. Uh, I like it. <laughs> so what's next? Uh, the Pelicans. Okay, so by the way, so the Rockets game tomorrow, they are six and a half point favorites. Oh, oh, they set the line at six and a half. All right, okay. Yeah. So, uh, which sounds that. That probably sounds more about right. Um, they play the Pelicans the next night, so that's a second half of back to back. That should be when they get mellow. The Pelicans have been struggling. Um, the Blazers have more talent; they should win that game. But I think coming off the second half of back to back, and then trying to get mellow in there, I think they're gonna try and maybe force him in, like just try to get him into the system. Like that could cause a little bit like that could be a game that the Blazers just end up slipping on the second out of a back-to-back I think mm. they'll be favored maybe by like a point or maybe the Pelicans might be favored by a point I don't know that's, that's definitely a tough one what the betters are going to think because I think they know the Blazers are a better team but second out of back-to-backs are always tricky so what kind of line you setting for us what we got I'm going to go Blazers by one. Blazers by one. Okay, that's, that's what I was thinking you're going to do. Like a real tight one, barely in the Blazers' favor. I, I'm taking the Blazers' side on that. I, I would I would, I say Blazers can get more, that get that game by more than one point. What do you think, Mike? I agree. I think that uh, All right. Mellow Fever. Mellow <laughs> Fever. Gonna, that, that's when it's going to start. <laughs> yes. I hope so. Oh. He just comes out like a flamethrower. We are <laughs> catching it that day. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right, Ty, what's next? What's the yeah. next game? <laughs> uh, at the Bucks, two days later, I think the Bucks open up as... Oof. I don't know if they play the night before or anything. That's why I should have looked ahead. Um, I'm just going to probably... I'll go six and a half as well, like six and a half, seven for the Bucks. Uh, I think they're kind of in that same tier as the Rockets. So we'll set that six and a half for Milwaukee. That sounds about right, man. Yeah, I, I, like we were saying about the Rockets one, I feel like four was a uh, four was a little conservative, but I liked it. I, I feel like the Bucks are harder to de- harder to deny with this whole thing. I feel like they are just dominant and they're they're in hot shape right now. So I feel like it's hard to hard to and argue. Giannis, with the Bucks I just there's just nobody who can guard Giannis anyway yeah. in the league, and now the Blazers don't. Yeah, really especially yeah, the situation. <laughs> I hope earlier, they right? don't stick Nasir on him all game because I'll feel bad for Nasir, oh, and, and I hope his mental doesn't get crushed if he realizes he can't stop Giannis because nobody can. But. No, no one can. What do you think, Mikey? Six and a half on the Bucks. Um, one thing I will say is Chris Middleton's out, and yeah. uh, Ooh, you know, yeah, it it could be interesting. Like I, I think the Bucks probably win, but I might think of taking the Blazers. Uh, just with the point. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if Bucks only won by four, then a Blazers could be a good bet there if it's going to be a tight game. Uh, we could see it happen. Okay, uh, final game for the week, Ty. What do we got? At the Cavs, two days later, I think the Blazers should win that one. I mean, I was, I'm was i almost feeling as confident as this one as I did the other day when I saw them going down to Sacramento. Uh, so, I mean, that's, <laughs> doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anything, but I think going to Cleveland, they should they should route that Cleveland team. I think they'll be favored by 
since they are a road game, maybe five points, five, six points, maybe even more, eight points, they should blow that Cleveland team out. But who knows? And by the way, just because we're on the Cavs, I met the GM the other day. Uh, oh, right. The PK uh, basketball game. I met him, so Mr. Kobe Altman, and ended up talking to him for like two minutes. Asked if they were going to trade Kevin Love to Portland, and he gave me the basic media answer. Oh, we like Kevin. We're not looking at any trades. But that was kind of cool. Wait, he was about, wait, wait, wait. Did you, did you straight up ask the Cavs GM if they're going to trade Kevin? That's like, I was just like, hey, what's all... <laughs> I asked him. I was just like, what's the deal with all this Kevin Love stuff? I was just like, I was like, because he's from Oregon. I think he'd be a good fit with the Blazers. What are you looking on the Blazers? Like, oh, we're not looking to, we're not looking to trade Love oh right God. now. We like Kevin. We're trying, blah, blah. I was like, oh, that's a good answer. I love you, bro. I love you so much. Like, you just shoot your shot. You just go straight up for it. You're like, hey, Cavs GM, yeah, what's up? Let's talk. I thought maybe he'd like it, you know? So (laughs) It's great. I did that. I did some work for Neil O'Shea. (laughs) I I also met the Nets GM, Sean Marks. He was like 6'11". So that was kind of cool. As a little tangent. Sizzle pie? Yeah, yep. It's all about the line of sizzle pie. I was sitting about, I think I was section 112. I don't know. We're we're going on a rant here. But was 114. Wow, okay, we were close. So right behind me, like, I think one row behind me was Lawrence Frank, was the Clippers GM. I had Bob Myers up with, the yeah, I think right there, with, yeah. I think it was, with, I think it was, like, was, was it Mike Dunleavy and I think Larry Harris. There are three there. To the left of me is Kobe yeah. Altman, the Cavs GM. That's awesome. And then, and then, uh, so Chris Boucher walks in for the Raptors and comes and sits, like, three rows in front of me. <laughs> So I was surrounded by NBA people and me, I'm so into all that stuff that I was basically watching all of those guys around me more than the game in front of me. I'm like, oh, that's catchy. <laughs> who's he texting? What's Lawrence Frank doing? Well, what's Bob Myers doing? Who's he watching? Who's he, oh, who's he talking to? I was all over the place. That's so, awesome. A little bro. tangent. But I'm taking the Blazers by six in Cleveland. Blazers by six in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Get Love those it. rookie cards. Oh, uh, yeah. Wait, what? What do you think, Mike? Uh, are we good by six? Yeah, let's go. Let's let's take advantage of the young guard. Yeah, I, I yeah. feel like it, it could be. Could this be finally the game where CJ and Dame have a big game? Oh, together. Wouldn't that be okay. nice? Let's hope it happens. It could. It could. I'm banking. Okay. I'm banking on Cleveland being that. So, uh, yeah, and I'm with you on that, too. I, I think Blazers by six is even easy. That, that should be easy bet. Uh, hopefully they set that lineup like that, man. I, I would love it. I think we got to take that one. Uh, so let's see. After that game, that should be the, that'll be next Saturday, so that's the end of the week. There's only one more game on the six-game road trip against the Bulls after that that we'll face with next week. So uh, our listener, Jeremy Barrett, was saying he thinks we'll end the road 4-1. and one. He had us losing to the Bucks, but winning all the rest of these. Uh, you know, it's looking at these games and kind of breaking down the lines like that. It's not impossible. It's not entirely impossible that Blazers could could go four and one, three and two might be a little more likely for these fi- the, the final five games. That's stretch. what I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna get. I say they beat the Pelicans, they beat the Cavs, they beat the Bulls, they drop Houston, they drop Milwaukee. Drop Houston, drop Milwaukee. Yeah, that seems. And, and again. That seems feasible. Like those are the those two teams, the top end teams that you think are going to give us more trouble. But if we can go on the road and beat those other teams, all these teams that we should beat on paper, you got to be happy with that for a trip, especially considering the shape that our roster's in right now. Definitely. If they go one and four, that's when you should worry. Right. That's when the panic <laughs> that's, sets in. All right. All right. So speaking of uh, when we should start worrying. Uh, the, the, the final segment for us today, before we get to the winner for the weekly questions, uh, which is more likely? We're going to tie this in with a uh, win-loss or tie, I think, in the future. But, Ty, you had a good one for us this week. Uh, I, I guess... What's more likely? Um, 
Oh yeah, or I can go with the one I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, do it. Go first. for it. Um, I so what's more likely uh, that we have Whiteside finishes the season as a Blazer, or we have Carmelo finishes the season as a Blazer? That is such a good question. Uh, I'm. I'm I'm going Whiteside. I well, sh- I mean, because he's got the the value on the expiring contract. Like it, initially, we've been talking about Mello and acting like you know Mello, he'll he'll be here for fun. He'll be here to kind of help stag or keep the uh, offense from stagnating. And mostly, he's kind of a stopgap for some of our other players to get healthy. When we know this season is not going to have a, a lot of a, a big finish on the end of it, most likely. But yeah, I I, I feel like Mello is already not in for necessarily the long term. But Whiteside. I mean, we've talked before about how he could have value here in Portland if Nurk doesn't come back at 100% or if he doesn't come back on time. But at this point, with uh, with the way the kind of outlook has changed in the season and not really having expectations for the playoffs as much, I feel like the idea that Whiteside's sticking, White, Whiteside is not going to be sticking around. They're going to be trying to get rid of him by the trade deadline, right? That's what I'm thinking. That's where I'm at now. For a while, I was like, nope, they're going to keep him. But now it almost looks like, yeah, it could be Melo's hangs on this season on this minimum contract the rest of the year and they end up moving Whiteside. What do you think, Mikey? Which one do the Blazers uh, hold, more, more likely to hold on to? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's like, it's a good wrinkle that, uh, you know, they could move Whiteside. So that, that's a possibility. It's a huge expiring contract. Hey, for sure. But, you know, I, you can maybe take that off the books and then see what they can do with it from there. Like, you know, um, Baysmore same boat as well. So uh, yeah, like that's like forty five million dollars, like off the yeah. books right there. And see, okay, so actually let's let's talk about this a little more actually because Baysmore is a good point too. He's another expiring contract, not as big as Whiteside. I think off the top of my head, I don't know, know the numbers. I think Baysmore is about sixteen a year or, or yeah. something like left on it. Whiteside is twenty seven ish, I think. Uh, and with the, the yeah, issue, I thought it was twenty seven and eighteen, but eighteen maybe. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, just under 20 and just under 30, we're talking, uh, for, for Baysmore and Whiteside, respectively. And again, when when Ty, when you and I were talking about this earlier in the season, and the hope was that, yeah, the Blazers are lined up for a deep run in the playoffs, and Whiteside is mostly here to wait for Nurkish to get healthy, but if Nurk doesn't come back 100%, imagine how good it would be to have Nurk and Whiteside down the stretch, like the two bigs that could just be so dominant inside. Obviously, that is not the way it has worked out. Three games in when Zach uh, goes down, you kind of know that our outlook on the season has to change as far as the playoff run. And at this point, yeah, I don't think it makes much sense at all to let another big contract player just walk away. Uh, the, the, the franchise has faced a lot of criticism in the past for Aldridge walking away. Uh, Aminu, right, as well, I think, was just released. Um, and I don't know if they can. I don't know if they could uh, do that with twenty-seven or twenty-eight million or whatever it is that Whiteside's contract is. That's a lot of money. Just kind of, it's a lot of value, man. Like it's the, the, we've seen. We've seen in trades too. Different. In the past, it's been such a thing about draft picks as far as trade value. But expiring contracts have been a really big trade value for teams recently in recent years as far as trying to get off uh, off big money, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like that twenty-seven million is a lot to just kind of let walk away. I'd be okay with the idea that with Baysmore. They might let him walk with the idea that maybe they can sign him like they did Hood, sign him for a smaller contract because he likes his fit here if it's working out for him. But, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, they got to get rid of Whiteside by the deadline, and uh, I can totally see Melo maybe sticking around just for that farewell tour or for some sort of, like, yeah, like off-court value or I don't know what. But, yeah, I I think at this point I'm going to say Melo is more likely to be a Blazer at the end of the season. Wild. Wild. Hot takes. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I... 
one thing I will say with Whiteside is that makes it different is that I think everybody agrees that after this year, Whiteside's value is going to be nowhere near his contract where the other guys were like at least near that value. That's um, a good point. And then also, he, like, he's just a tough sell. Like, unless the team is losing games, like, you're, you're not trying to get Hassan Whiteside to go on a playoff push. Like, you know, I, I so it's, I think he's a bit of a tough sell even with the expiring contract. And well, yeah, it might I, be just fine to have him as that one-year rental. Like, that, that's just what I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't think a team wants him if they're making a push. I think we'd be trading him to a team that wants to get wants to get his uh, his numbers off their books. You know what I mean? It's just that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I'm curious. It's a very it's a good you know question. What Blazers could do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's also. Uh, I don't know. Well, we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, that is a. Uh, that is the end of it, though. I think that's a good spot to, to leave the show. Listeners, write in and let us know what you think as far as, as that question. What is more likely to happen? Who is more likely to be a Blazer at the end of the season, Mellow or Whiteside? Uh, final thing before we get out of here. The winner for the weekly write-ins. Okay, so let me see here. We had Jeremy Barrett. Shout out to him. And then hey. shout out to Blanked, Berlacious M, and Pinwheel Empire, as well as Blazers in five. Uh, so that is four or five people. I'm going to go to random.org, put in numbers one, uh, minimum one, maximum five, and we are going to see resulting number is two. Number two is blanked at zero sum. Has has he won recently? Let's see if we got... Nope, he's good. All right, so yeah, blanked at zero sum. You're the winner for the week. Congratulations, sir. Ty, what do we have for blank to send him out this week? What's our card? A Damon Stoudemire card. I don't have nice. it next to me at the moment. Oh, that's okay. That. That's yeah. okay. We'll still Damon get that Stoudemire harp in card. There. The, 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 harp will, the harp will be in there, and, and he'll hear it show up. So congratulations to Blanked at Zero Sum. Uh, we'll be sending you that Damon, Damon Stoudemire card soon. Listeners, please write in uh, your over-unders, your betting lines, your thoughts on the season. We'll be putting up more polls, so always answer those. You can have your chance to win one of TD Sports Card's cards from the hashtag card van. Uh, Mikey, actually, i got to tell you about this. Ty has a van, a full van full of, of basketball <laughs> cards. So It's, it's holy. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, uh, but yeah, thank you, listeners. Uh, congratulations to Zero Sum, and thank you, Michael Weisenberg, for coming by, man. Really uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking me to a game the other night. If listeners want to reach out to you, uh, where can they find you on the social medias? NBA Draft Mikey V on Twitter, uh, Mike M I C L Weisenberg on Instagram, and uh, yeah, I, I always down to talk hoops and thank you guys so much for having me on it was uh, a lot of fun dude always, always good having you man uh again listeners you can write us at at trailcasters on ig facebook and twitter you can find me at rip city keith and ty at ty delbridge also check out at td sports cards for that hashtag card van write us those emails at trailcasters at gmail.com find the podcast on itunes google play spotify stitcher wherever else and we are always looking for what ty five stars and find this music at soundcloud.com slash beats always support your local beat makers in closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Ty, as always. Thank you, Odor, for those fat beats. Thank you to our sponsors, Envy Adventures, and Clearly Speaking. And thank you, Michael Weisenberg, for joining us. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. And please come back next week for the next edition of The Trailcasters. <laughs> Sweet. Ba-boom. Awesome, man. 